We've come to Exodus chapter 18 in our march through this uh, very pivotal book as well as event in the life of uh, God's chosen people, Exodus 18. The Lord has delivered them. He provides for them in the wilderness. We see His protection of them. He fights for His people. He fights through His people uh, in the wilderness as they commit to Him. And chapter 18 is really a hinged chapter in this book. Uh, a hinge between the first half of Exodus where the Lord is bringing His people to Mount Sinai to receive uh, this law. And then the second half where the Lord speaks through Moses. Speaks from the mountain um, to the people, giving them His law. You may recall that when Moses returns to Egypt earlier on in Exodus to confront Pharaoh, his family doesn't go with him. Uh, we're going to learn in the first couple of verses here that he had sent his family, his wife and sons, back to uh, Midian to live with the in-laws. And uh, he had likely weighed the danger of what was in front of him as he went back to Egypt. And, uh, but now, in these verses, the people of Israel are just that much closer to Midian, a place that Jethro and Midianites would have been familiar with, or at least could be described uh, well to them. So uh, the family is reunited here. We're going to read the first 12 verses of chapter 18. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. In the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help, and he delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. This is God's word to his people. Let's pray together. Father, we come in submission to your word now. Lord, as your word teaches us, it is your word that examines us. And so we come thankfully, humbly, willingly, to receive this word to us. Lord, we pray that what you have spoken through your word is what would be communicated faithfully uh, in this time. Um, That you would teach us, show us, remind us again of the good news of your outstretched arm of deliverance, protection, 
for your people. Help us now, Holy Spirit, as we think through and apply this word. We need your help in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It really is a remarkable journey, a worthwhile journey to follow uh, Dr. Tim Kesey, who works with Frontline um, Missions International. He visits places around the world and he documents, he writes in a journal about just what people are facing, that the dark places in which people live and uh, how the work of the church is impacting uh, those places. And you can follow uh, Dr. Kesey through this video series called Dispatches uh, from the Front. And uh, in the series, Tim, uh, he, he visits a local pastor in India and they get some time uh, starting on the east side of India and they work their way north to Delhi and then to the west. Well, while they're in Delhi, uh, they ask if Beth would join them. Beth is uh, a nurse uh, working in Afghanistan and Tim asked if she would come out of country and meet them in northern India and just share about her experience in grief uh, together. Um, just a few months earlier, Beth's co-worker and several others uh, were killed by um, Islamic extremists um, in Afghanistan. And so Beth comes and, and joins them in Delhi and, and you watch as they spend time together uh, as she shares about the events, as they pray together, as they're uh, weeping uh, together and they, they travel around, do some sightseeing in that area and they're just reading the Psalms together to pass the time. Uh, while they're in, uh, in route. Um, you can see them enjoying good Indian tea and Beth is, is laughing uh, while she's visiting with them. Uh, and then just a few days later, they send her on her way knowing that she's going back to the darkness, back to the front lines uh, of the battle as a Christian aid uh, worker. Uh, so it was just a few days. You think how encouraging, how refreshing for Beth to be able to visit with these two men who know her story, her good friends, they knew, they know the ones that she's lost. Um, they could just listen and empathize uh, and be together. Um, we, we need others who know us like this. We need those who share in our experiences and are eager to know just how it goes with us. Those that we can have the conversations with and go deeper than the weather and sports and get there pretty quick. Um, we need those who will sympathize, who can come alongside us and pray with us and uh, cry with us, worship with us. Um, Moses needs this, and the Lord provides in Exodus 18. And you really consider, you know, he's been away from his family for, for months. That resonates with us. We get that. We've had family members who have been gone on extended service or internship or um, spouses, family members in the military who have left for deployment. I mean, just how exciting it is when we know they're coming home. Uh, how we anticipate this and the joy that that brings. Uh, it's true for Moses. Uh, now there's a time of, of encouragement as Jethro and, uh, comes with his wife and children to Mount Sinai. So we see a joyful reunion, just a recalling of the Lord's deliverance and then Jethro's response to this news. So reunion, recall, and response is how we're going to look at these verses. In our modern times, when we talk about relationships with the in-laws, uh, it's not often, not always like this, but oftentimes it's painted in negative light. 
time with the in-laws is considered something that you power through. Because, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, they come around once a year and you've got to get through it. But for Moses, seeing the in-laws, seeing Jethro, was a very encouraging experience. He welcomed the opportunity. And the text doesn't tell us what it was like to see his wife and his sons again, but we assume that this was also a welcome and joyful reunion. There are some who believe that Moses had actually divorced his wife or that their marriage was really on the rocks after this uh, circumcision incident back in uh, chapter 4, if you remember that. Uh, That they were in real trouble here. But there's no indication in the text or anywhere else that that is the case. Zipporah is still referred to as Moses' wife. Um, Jethro seems very excited to bring his family back to him, very intentional in doing that. But the focus here is on the reunion between Moses and his father-in-law. And maybe you were even sick of hearing that after 12 verses, because eight times in those 12 verses, that identifier is given. His father-in-law, his father-in-law. So as Moses records these events for the future, he wants us to hear that it was this type of relationship. Someone who knew him well. We know Moses had a great respect for Jethro, Jethro had uh, you know, sent his daughters after Moses in chapter 2. He had seven daughters, you may remember, and good men are hard to find, so they had to go get Moses. Um, and with seven daughters, he was probably looking forward to having another man in the house, someone else to talk with, uh, who could treat as a son. Uh, so for Moses, Jethro is a very trusted uh, family member. He's a benefactor. Now he has an opportunity to welcome Jethro into his home. His mobile home, really. Um, and and uh, show him what the Lord's been doing. Um, it's interesting, Moses doesn't wait for Jethro to come to him. He, he goes out to greet him, embraces him. Uh, and says that they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. So they had this, this vested interest in one another. They really wanted to know how the other one was doing. Uh, I think when we greet people, we're often, they will say something like, Hey, how are you doing? Or how have you been? And there's usually that programmed response that we're expecting, or I'm doing well, I'm fine, things are good. And then with those pleasantries over, we sort of go on our way as if, you know, that's, that's that. But Moses and Jethro, they have some catching up to do here. It's been months, maybe over a year, since they had seen each other. And a lot has happened in that time. So this was, was more than your typical, I'm fine. Things are going okay for the moment. This, uh, this father and son-in-law were eager to share stories and catch up. So it's important for us to have those that we trust. Um, maybe a family member, that seemingly rare in-law, perhaps. But someone we can confide in on this wilderness journey that we're on. Jethro and, and Moses knew each other well, and had their best interest in mind. And we're going to get a better sense of that in the rest of chapter 18 next week. Um, do you have that person that you can call or, or visit who, who knows you as a genuine interest in how it is you're doing? New Testament, Paul writes to Philemon. Uh, he's a trusted brother in the church. Paul and others in the church have been refreshed by the faith of Philemon. Uh, 
love that he has shown to them. And now the apostle is just looking forward to more of that, to being reunited with him and, and uh, coming to see him in the near future. So here's one that, that Paul knew and felt confident enough to approach and even send back a slave who was now a brother in Christ. So who are those family members? Who are those friends that you know and that, that you know you don't have to impress? Because it's not going to work anyway. The ones who still who can who can say what it is you actually need to hear. Now this is usually more challenging for us guys. Um, you know, I don't know whether it's putting up putting up the expected manly veneer, uh, or we just think we don't have time to get real, perhaps. Uh, but it's a challenge. A challenge for me is so I'm going to challenge all of you with this, specifically men with this. You need those other guys who who can look at you, who know your personality, who know your schedule, um, who know yeah, your temperament and can say, okay, I'm not impressed. What's really going on? Um, and then are we man enough? Meaning confident enough in the gospel. Confident enough in the righteous robes of Christ that we can share honestly. As you get to know each other in those conversations, become easier and deepen the friendship. Uh, this takes time, usually. It takes intentionality, always. And honestly, Sunday morning is a great, a great way to jumpstart or to cultivate this type of relationship. Um, and we're, we're covered in the blood of Christ. The Lord Jesus has broken down all the, the barriers that separate us. We are united in one body. This means that we have a vested interest in each other's welfare. So we have a little reunion here every Sunday morning when we come together. Take full advantage of that time. Before worship, after worship, connect with each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord, especially if that's not happening throughout the week. So Moses and his father-in-law, they move their conversation now to the tent, uh, expect that they grab their, their favorite beverage, and Moses is eager to share all that has happened with Jethro. He wants Jethro to hear. He needs to share this good news of what the Lord has done. Jethro, he would have been familiar with Moses' earlier encounters with the Lord at the burning bush. He would have shared that with him. He would have heard about Moses' forebearers in Israel and the Hebrew people. The names of Moses' sons who have been living with Jethro now. They tell Moses' own journey. Gershom and Eliezer, I was a stranger in the land, meaning I was a stranger in Midian, but God is my helper. He delivered me from Pharaoh who sought my life. This is the experience of Moses. And these names, they could just as rightly describe the experience of Israel in the wilderness. So Jethro knows this, but he's still a prominent priest in Midian. His allegiance, his worship is not to the God of Israel, even with some knowledge of Yahweh uh, with, uh, among the Midianites. The Midianites were descendants of Abraham, but not through Isaac and Jacob. So Moses wants him to hear what the Lord has done. And Jethro wants to hear it. This is the gospel. This is good news of the Lord's deliverance. Good news of His provision. You can hear him telling Jethro of the Lord's strikes against Egypt. The slaughtering of the lambs, the blood on the doorposts, guarded, covered the people from God's judgment. 
told him about the plunder that they took from the Egyptians and walking what looked like to be backwards towards Egypt, drawing out the Egyptian army and then walking across the Sea of Reeds on dry land and then the drowning of the Egyptians. Uh, told him about the grumbling, about the meat and the manna and the battle that the Lord had just won against the Amalekites. Their camels left empty after messing with God and His chosen possession. So Moses doesn't gloss over the difficult parts of this, both for the people and for himself, and what they have endured, how the Lord has led them every step of the way. This is a God who is powerful. This is a God who is faithful, even as His chosen people rant against Him. This is a God who is worthy of worship. His salvation is good news for the people of Israel. It's good news for Jethro. Maybe Moses started singing that song that we have in chapter 15. We know the power of song. How singing to someone who may not be as familiar with the song or with the events that the song talks about, how that really enforces its importance to them when they hear us doing that. The people have seen the salvation of God. Now they could sing it. So Jethro gets a front row seat. Here with Moses. So Moses has gone from shepherding Jethro's flock to shepherding God's flock in the wilderness. And he wants his dear father-in-law to join him in this worship. Uh, Yahweh is the God who is. He is supreme above all other gods. So here it is, Dad. Here's the most loving thing I can do for you. To tell you what God has done for me. To tell you what He's done for His people. The most loving thing that we can do for our family members, friends, complete strangers, to tell what our God has done. To recall His mighty works in our life. Sing of His salvation in the Lord Jesus. He has brought us through the water from death to life. That we rant against Him in our sin. He gives life by striking the rock. His only begotten Son. In this resurrected Son, He now reigns at the Father's side, conquering all of His and our enemies. So we have a gospel, we have a good news that must be shared. As Moses shares the truth, he does, so, he does this with love, he does this to a family member who's not yet believing. I think the Apostle Paul, he gives us this instruction through the church in Ephesus. Uh, saying that they're to speak the truth in love as they grow up in Jesus. This should be our desire as well. To share the grace of God in Christ with those that are in and outside of our families. Um, now if you're all like me, it feels uncomfortable to do that. So we get, can get uncomfortable around non-Christians, even the ones that are within our own families, because we, we sense that disconnect. We sense that alienation. That's there. It makes it hard. It makes it hard not only to share, but it certainly makes it hard to sacrifice what might be costly to us when there is that disconnect. Um, and to treat them as Christ has treated us, come to us. Um, I think sometimes it's our own pride that gets in the way too. Because we're trying to correct our family members. We're trying to straighten out our family members and we find it doesn't work. And so then what do we do? We pull back. We don't engage anymore. But we're called to love. To love them with the truth of God's great deliverance. 
so we can show hospitality to them, even when we don't expect it in return. We serve our brothers and sisters. We honor our parents. We care for our spouses in such a way that they know that they're loved. Okay, even if they don't bow to the one who is love, they know they're being loved. Now, I know this hits home for many of us because we have family members who do not yet know the Lord. They may give a nod to God every now and then, but you know that Lord Jesus is not on His rightful throne in their hearts. But this is life and death. And if we really love our family and friends and we desire nothing more than they would bow the knee to Christ and submit their lives uh, to Him in faith. So I, looking at the time, I, I, I want to take just a moment right now. Think of that family member or that friend. Probably doesn't take too long to think of it. Uh, I want to just, let's just take a second and pray specifically for them that the Lord would do what only He can do in their hearts. Um, Just take a moment and pray. Lord God, hear our prayers. And Lord, do what only You can do in the hearts of those that we love. Help us to speak the truth in love. To be available to our family, to be available to others who may cross our path. Lord, we want nothing more than for them to join us at the table and worship You forever. And so we pray this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Moses is reunited with his father-in-law. He recalls the Lord's mighty power, deliverance. His mercy in the wilderness. And then Jethro responds. And when he hears what Moses has to share here, he's just overwhelmed. Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel. That he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh. And has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with other people. You know, this language here that's used to describe Jethro's response, it's somewhat unique because it's only used by, by Job. The psalmist makes a reference to this. But Jethro cried out, or he shuddered this. He shuddered with this news. He was cut to the heart by the truth of what God had done. Maybe a response very similar to what we find in Acts chapter 2 when Peter shares the plan of God and the resurrection of Christ. It says in Acts 2, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They're ready to respond. And so is Jethro as he hears this good news. And he uses that personal covenant name of Yahweh. May the Lord be blessed In other words, may He be blessed by His people and may He be blessed by me because of what I've heard. Jethro is convinced of the Lord's supremacy that He is the God who is. And he he acknowledges that all those little g-gods of Egypt acted proudly and arrogantly toward the people of Israel. And that Yahweh humiliated them. That was part of His plan, His purpose, His greatness. 
you know, just, just a quick point here. Not all people are going to respond this way to the good news. Some are going to ignore it. Some will reject it, and they will reject, reject it by rejecting you. Sharing the truth of salvation, that is what is, was up to us. The testimony of this historic truth that's vitally important to, uh, that God uses to bring others to Him. But how others respond is not up to us. That is between them and the Lord. We're called to be faithful ambassadors, to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. But let God do what only He can do in changing uh, changing hearts. So the apostles share the good news of the resurrection. They can't help it in Acts chapter 4. They're threatened. They're thrown out of the temple. Then they're arrested again. They're beaten and thrown out again. But they go away rejoicing. They were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. Um, they're not going to change those who hear, but they're faithful to proclaim what God has given uh, to them, what they've seen, what they've heard. So now Jethro, he's a priest, so he responds in a way that he knows how. Um, it's a way that seems fitting for the occasion. He responds in worship by bringing a burnt offering uh, before the Lord. And Jethro actually does what Moses had told Pharaoh the people of Israel would be doing when they left Egypt. They would go and worship the Lord in the wilderness, uh, sacrificing to Him. And Jethro recognizes that, that something else, that there is an atonement, something else must die so that he could live and worship uh, this, in the presence of this God. Uh, so the other sacrifices were for him and the others to eat, for the guests to, to share a meal in God's presence. There's no tabernacle yet, but we know that Moses has built an altar there at Rephidim. So they are likely gathered around this altar, uh, sharing a covenant meal showing their, their communion with God and their communion with each other. Um, and so by doing this, by offering these sacrifices and sharing a meal together, that is, that is now welcoming formally, welcoming Jethro into the community of faith, and the community of Israel. Um, so what's the proper response for those who put their faith in the finished work of Christ? who hear the good news and cry out, Blessed be the Lord. They worship. They begin to, to worship on their own and in the company of God's people. They share in fellowship together. Communion with God's people. The communion of saints that's gathered here this morning. Not all of them, but a few represented here in worship. We have a meal that we share together in the presence of our God. And now once, once a month as we come and, and eat together. Um, this is the response of God's people. Those who have walked with the Lord for years. Those who have just submitted their hearts and their lives to Christ. So can you join us at the table? Have you been cut to the heart and want to respond just as Jethro responded? In Jethro's response, it really brings us back to the very mission of God. Uh, salvation was not just for Israel. The Lord is, is gathering a people to Himself from every nation. The, the Midianites are going to be enemies of Israel for some time. But here, 
At this moment, at this time, there is fellowship between this Midianite and Israel. And there's a faith that unites them. We have forgiveness, eternal life through the cross of Christ, that glorious resurrection. It's that cross, that banner that unites us and believers the world over. And we're going to continue to, to share this good news um, until that great reunion when all the nations will come, they'll worship before the King. Um, we'll have a meal together, a meal like no other in the presence of our God. I trust we long for that day. Let's pray. Lord, may we respond as we've seen this one who acknowledges you as the supreme Lord of all, who acknowledges your delivering hand. Lord, you have given us this good news. We have experienced it as you have worked in our hearts and continue to do so by your grace. Lord, may we be faithful to proclaim this good news, to live it before each other and before a watching world. Lord, help us in this. It is so easy to withdraw, so easy to just stay where it is comfortable and safe. Lord, give us that gospel urgency with our family members, those that are close to us, and with those that we've just met. Lord, be glorified in all of these relationships, the ones that are, are yet to be formed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.